I want to bless you in the name of Jesus this evening. I felt very um, warmly welcomed and loved in my few days here. I feel kind of pampered, actually. I feel a little bit ashamed. <laughs> God bless you for reaching out to me over these last several days. <clears throat> I haven't gone away for meetings often. I have a few times, and I've gotten into the habit of doing something, um, and that's asking you for one more thing. <laughs> uh, a lot of people take um, family pictures around Christmas time and you send them out to people. If you have an extra one left over, I wouldn't mind having one. Don't go out and take a new picture. But if you have a few spares, uh, just um, write your names in the back and the ages, and that would be a, a treat to remember you by if you have one. And you think about it, you can bring one later on this week. <clears throat> Our theme verses, um, like Gerald said, out of John chapter 7. And my desire is I could... I just want to say one thing about these verses that, that has made them special to me. Oftentimes when, I, when it's my turn to preach, or even when it isn't my turn to preach, I go out for a, a prayer walk in the morning and I walk down to the county line and north to the bridge. And it's dark. And... Uh, I close my eyes, and I think about this verse, and I'm hearing this, uh, it's just one of those ditches where the, the farmers put the, put the irrigation pipes in their field, and then the overflow runs into the ditch. <laughs> it's not a river, it's just a ditch there. And I close my eyes, and I hear this water flowing, flowing. I hear the ripple. And I just say, oh, Lord. <laughs> and I think of this verse. Let me be that man. You know, if we can be this kind of a person, we can do anything that God has called us to. If only we have his life flowing in and flowing out. <clears throat> Let's stand together and say these verses again. John chapter 7. <clears throat> if you haven't been here, we're reading John seven thirty-eight. Maybe you've memorized it by now. We're starting with the word Jesus in verse 37. <clears throat> All together. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst... Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You may be seated. Thank you. I would like to share this evening about one of my greatest burdens. It seems like I've got a lot of burdens. <laughs> and... Uh, I think, you know, I think God wants us to have burdens. And that reminds me of something. You know, sometimes we carry burdens we shouldn't carry. Is that true? <laughs> I was at my mom's place a year or so ago, and uh, I was really struggling with something that I shouldn't have been carrying. <laughs> and uh, I walked up, I was walking up the hill on the other side of the road, and, and on the way back down, it just seemed like the Lord said to me, why don't we trade burdens? You give me yours. You can't handle it anyway. But I do want you to carry my burdens. And I will give you the strength 
Gary, my burdens. So I think we're supposed to have burdens. One of my burdens is for the local church. And when we make a commitment to Christ, we make a commitment to the... He's the groom. We also make a commitment to the bride. That's you. You are the bride of Christ. And it does seem to me today that the emphasis is much on it's, it's me and Jesus, it's me and Jesus. But as I look into the New Testament, I see more it's we and Jesus, it's we and Jesus. <laughs> That's the motto I see. And sometimes relationships with fellow Christians can be deeper and sweeter and better, even than our own families. And you guys know this. You probably have somebody in your family that, you know, you're, you're biologically related, but you cannot connect on the same level as you can with some brother and sister in Christ. That's very sweet. But sometimes our fellowship is not so sweet. And so what I want to share with you tonight is it does come somewhat out of my own experience, my own journey. And so I, I know that can sometimes sort of taint maybe how we look at things. And maybe we can become unbalanced because we're so personally involved. But I'm hoping that what I would like to share is, is, is what comes out of Scripture and that, that our experiences would, that the experiences we do go through in the church would drive us back to the Scripture and say, oh Lord, how can I just line up? How can I take my life and line more up with this? And that's what I want to try to do tonight with the Lord's help. <clears throat> Several years ago, I'll just share a little bit about my own journey. I mentioned this the first evening. Several years ago, we went through some real difficult times at our local church. It was, it was right before I was ordained, and then it continued on after I was ordained, and people began to leave the church <clears throat> for various different reasons. Some left because of the failures of the ministry. And so as soon as I was ordained, I got to help carry that burden. Some left because of strained relationships between church members. Some left because the church was too conservative. And some left because it seemed like they felt, you know what? This ship is sinking. Do you really want to be courageous and stay on the ship and, go, and, and drown? Or you better get off the ship. And I was thinking, man, I can't get off. <laughs> Why don't you drown with me then? Why don't you help me out and stay with me? I remember sitting in our living room with a couple that, who, were, who were and still are good friends of ours, and we asked them, why are you leaving? And they explained the reason, and they ended by saying, we just don't see a future here. Do you? How, how would you answer that question? Somebody asked you that. You know, what I said at the time was with... With, with conviction, I said, well, I think that's the wrong question. The question is, does God want me here? That's more important than, do I see a future here? And I thought of Isaiah, you know, in Isaiah, is it Isaiah 6, where he had that vision and, and the angel put the, the tongue on his tongue and, and, uh, and, and God said, you know, who will go for me? And, and Isaiah said, oh, well, I'll do it, I'll go. And then, then, he, then he asked the wrong question. He said, well, for how long, Lord? And, and, and God said, well, until the land is desolate. <laughs> and well, I was starting to think, in our situation, 
Man, it's getting pretty desolate. <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have said that. Not really. But it was one of the most difficult and painful experiences I've ever been through. I just want to put in a little disclaimer here this evening. Because I know that you guys are experiencing some of this. I just want to tell you where whichever side of the fence you fall on. And I just, you know, I would just love for us to, let's all be on the same, within the same fence. I don't like to use the word side. But wherever you stand in this, and what's happening presently right now in this church, I just want to say that, that this message, I would have preached this message if none of this would have ever happened, okay? This is not connected to, well, I know this is happening, so I think I need to preach this. It's not connected to that. Just my own experience has pressed this burden upon me for the church. And so I'm offering you my, my loaves and fishes tonight and asking and praying that God can bless that. <clears throat> well, things are going a lot better in church. We're a lot smaller. But I've looked back many times and asked the question, before all this happened, what was really holding us together? <laughs> were we really? Were we really connected? I mean, apparently we were. On the surface, we were. But after, it seemed like, man, the wheels fell off the cart so easily. And I, it, it's made me feel like, well, were we, were we held together with sticky tack and silly putty? And so I come to this question, what, it then, what then is the right glue? What is the super glue that will hold us together? How much wind does it take to blow the house over? I mean, could we be tornado proof? What would it take that would allow us to have biblical churches that will stick together through thick and thin? and accomplish all God would have us to in our communities. <clears throat> so here's the title for the message this evening. <clears throat> it's a long title. God's Purpose for the Church, Aligning My Practice to His Purpose. God's Purpose for the Church, Aligning My Practice to His Purpose. I would invite you, I want to look at a number of different scriptures this evening. I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 4. I just want to look, first of all, at what is, I just want to answer that question right off the bat. What is the right glue? What is the super glue that will hold us together? <clears throat> so let's look at the early church for an example of what they experienced. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. There it is. I don't mean to imply that none of us had the Holy Ghost. Or if you have trouble in your church, man, there must not be the Holy Ghost there. And yet I do think it is possible that we, we, we put the wrong props under us sometimes and lean on the wrong props. 
And then when those are gone, we're not as stable as we thought. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. And I want us to look at here, as we go through this sequence, I'm just going to read a few verses, down to verse 35. I want us to think about what are the things that the Holy Spirit birthed as he, as he fell upon them. <laughs> you know that word fell upon is in the King James. And uh, I looked in other translation and it used the word and the Holy Spirit rushed upon them. <laughs> I kind of like that better. But when the Holy Spirit came, it began to birth certain things. So let's just, let's just again see. So they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the word of God with boldness. There's the first one. Have you ever sat in a, uh, a service and the preacher? Well, sometimes we, we probably are boring. <laughs> we probably have been that way. You know, sometimes that is the normal for someone when they're sharing about Christ. It's like it's turning a crank and they have to do it. And there's not any boldness coming out. And you wonder what is, what is squeezing that ketchup bottle? What's pressing that out? It's supposed to be boldness. It should be the result of what, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and, and not just comes upon us, but is living within us. So when we speak of Christ, that it comes out with boldness, with, with, with some oomph with an exclamation point after what we say. That's one thing that happened. Another thing that happened, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. (laughs) It's humanly impossible. So this is another thing that the Holy Spirit birthed was a unity. Common goals. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own. So it even affected, you know, it wasn't just we sat around and we had spiritual conversation. Then we, I went back to my, my, you know, my, my house at the beach and, 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 and my four-wheeler and my big truck and all my tractors and you went back to your little hut. It wasn't like that. It, was a, it actually affected um, them on, a, on an economic level. I don't think that one has hit us too hard yet. (laughs) Maybe not as hard as it should. Verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So look at the preachers. They were, man, they they probably went over time and nobody cared. They just said, keep on preaching, brother. (laughs) Let the pot roast burn. Just keep on preaching. And, and look what happened to all the rest of the people. And great grace was upon them all. That, sound, that looks to me like some pretty amazing glue. Neither were there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. There was equality. Guess where communism came from? Here it is. This is where it started. Communism. They had all things common. Birthed by the Holy Spirit. 
So I look at the scripture and I say, okay, they had, they had common goals. They were unselfish. Okay, I can, we can do that. You know, you and me could agree to have common goals and you and I could agree to be unselfish. And we can't do the things like, uh, uh, you know, pouring out the grace and the power, but we could choose to do some of these things all by ourselves and, and we could choose to have more equality. So maybe if we would do all these things, maybe we could just manipulate the Holy Spirit to, you know, come in the same way upon us. You see, it, it came in the other, it came in the other sequence where the Holy Spirit came first and then all these things came as a result. So we can't expect the release of the Spirit upon our imperfect efforts necessarily that we make this deal and arrangement with God, I'm going to do this and this, and then old Lord just, you know, pour out your glue and we're guaranteed to stick together. <clears throat> and yet, I feel like that if we, if we search Scripture and we try to discover what God's purpose is in the church, what, what really is His heart? And there's so many things, so I'm just going to mention a few things tonight that I see as, as common themes in the New Testament that, that seem to be emphasized regarding church. And that if we would emphasize those things and we would say, you know what, forget about talking about whether or not we should have the radio or, or you know, <laughs> you know we, those, those questions matter, but, but that's not the, the question that matters the most. What matters is these other things And so we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting talking about these other things. And perhaps, perhaps we could experience more of the fullness and the release of the Spirit upon the imperfect efforts that we are making that would make us stick. You know, I think of Matthew 7 there. Those two houses, same houses, you know, look the same until the winds blew. And all of a sudden, the foundations were revealed. But God has a purpose for His church. <clears throat> it has to do with things eternal, doing things in the present that will be relevant in eternity. It has to do with His kingdom. We talked about that last night. It has to do with His glory. It has a lot to do with that. <clears throat> I have learned, it just in my own experience, you know, before I was plugged in. You know, I have to plug in now, but you know what? As a pastor, but, but I also, the way I, the way I truly view it is I get to. I want to. I feel like a little boy that, that, that got put out into Yankee Stadium and says, well, go play with the Yankees. And, and, and I feel like, man, I, I want to do this. I, but I don't know how to do it. God help me. But I want to serve the church. I want to build the church. I want to bless our church. I want to. But in, in my journey in life, there have been many times that, you know why I was in church? Man, it was for all the wrong stuff. It was, it was, it was consumer church. It was what I could get out of the church. It's why really, if I would have really taken the time to examine my heart, that would have been the truth. And you know, we're all in a journey in this, aren't we? I mean, this is like I mentioned in the prayer room, or I think I said in my prayer that is this... There's this event Christianity that seems to me to be sort of popular. You know, you, you need to have this amazing event and then, you know, then everything's done. 
I just think, no, it's, there are events along the way. Certainly there are. But it's more of a journey. And in the church, you know, can we bear with one another in our journey to taking ownership of this church? <laughs> Do you feel ownership for that? For the direction and the outcome? Here are some secondary purposes that I have either personally had myself or I experience as I talk with people that have moved. You know, if you're out from our way, man, there's just as many churches as there are fast food restaurants. I mean, Napanee, the town of Napanee, I forget how many churches there are. It's a lot. Just a teeny little town. And so if you don't like our church, it doesn't cost much to go next door, to go somewhere else. And here, you've had to wrestle a little more with that. It costs a little more here. But here are some things that I've encountered. I, I just call them secondary purposes. And they, I just think they're not God's primary purpose. They're not, they're not necessarily bad. They're not necessarily wrong. But the point about it is, is that they're not primary. Why am I in this church? And number one, <clears throat> very simple, this, uh, God's purpose in the church is not primarily to give you a country club. Or you can just, you know, you can have your membership, pay your dues, be like a timeshare. You actually only go there once a year. Now, I'm exaggerating here because I know you come here more than once a year. But in a timeshare, you might not go there, but more than once, maybe twice, maybe you loan it out to your neighbor once, and you pay all your dues, and you're a member. Guess what? You're hardly ever there. That's not. That's way down the list for the Lord. And it's not primarily a social club. And I have found that in our circles, that's one thing we really want, is we want the social interaction. And I think that's good. We call it fellowship. <laughs> that word's better. It's in the Bible. And, and, and really, that is true. We need fellowship. But, that, but our fellowship should be more than just social interaction. It, it needs to be. And too often, the connection we have is truly too much on just a social level. And so when that is taken away from me and I, my friends walk out the door and I don't have those social connections and my children need other children and those kinds of things, I, 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 we feel this pressure we need to go. I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying I don't see God seeing that as primary. It's not primarily a big youth group. That was one I heard a lot. Now, we, we don't have many youth in our church right now. Still, 10 years later, we're, we're still, the demographics are that way. And that was one thing that people said. You know, we, I, I like you guys. I like your church. I'm not against you as a leadership, but, but our children, you know, we're concerned about our children. They need youth, and so we need to go over here where they have youth. And I just, I'm sorry. I wonder about that. I just, I just end up saying, you know, I think that's secondary. I think it's something to think about. It's something to consider. Maybe there is a time to make a change for that reason. But when I look through the New Testament, I don't see that as being primary. I think it's not primarily so you can find a church that you are comfortable with. I've heard that a lot. 
I hear that more from unchurched people where I'll ask them, my Monday question is, hey, how was church yesterday? And then often I hear, well, I, I didn't go. I didn't go. And, uh, you know, I, was, I went one time and I used to go over here to this and it, I just wasn't comfortable. And then I went over here and I wasn't comfortable there either. I'm just, I'm trying to find a place where I can be comfortable. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know what you need, man? You need something where you're uncomfortable is what you really need. Why don't you go there? <clears throat> And I, so I just think that's, that's secondary. That's secondary. It's not primarily so you can find a church that matches all the liberties and convictions that you have. And so, and there will be other things, but the point I'm trying to make here is just that I think it's not good if your primary reasons for being in church is for secondary purposes. I don't think it's good. I think we should give attention to some of these things, but our primary reason should be what God's are. We should align our burdens with God's. Make those things primary. You know what? I think he could work out the other details on those secondary things. <clears throat> so what are then God's primary purposes? I just want to invite you pastors here, to, to you can add your stuff to this at the end or whenever, Sunday morning, whenever you do that. So I don't want to say anything against what you're teaching here. I think you would agree with this, what I'm going to be sharing. But So what are God's primary purposes? I would like to look now into Ephesians for the rest of the message. And uh, I love the book of Ephesians because it's, it's about the we. <laughs> it's about the we. So much. And if you look with that lens, when you put those glasses on and you look for the we as you go through the book, and that's just, we come into the kingdom of God as a me, we step right into a we. Now, you know what? I found something out. I was a group leader a number of years ago. I had to be in leadership. I was not very good at it. And I, I told the boss one time, I said, you know, I'm, I, I got a new boss one day, and uh, he was meeting all the group leaders, and he said... Uh, he was asking about my leadership style. And I said, well, I, I like to get my guys to do the things they should do because they want to. I said, you know, I have a hard time telling them they have to. He said, man, that's your job. You just need to do that. <clears throat> uh, and he kind of scolded me. But God's... The, but anyway, what, what I was going to say about that, that was a rabbit trail, sorry. But what I was going to say about that is I learned that it is much easier for me to just... I struggle my own walk sometimes, but it is much easier for me to figure out how to just to walk as a me with Jesus than it is to walk as a we. Now, that's a lot more difficult. And so that's why I think, you know, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the grace. We need something divine working in us so that we, so beyond just me walking as a me is me walking with a we. That's a whole lot harder. But that's the biblical recipe that I see. You can't obey, I think Raymond Wenger said something like this, you can't obey half of the New Testament if you can't do it as a we. The commandments that are in the New Testament. <clears throat> All right, let's read um, Ephesians chapter 3. Read a number of verses here. We're gonna, we're, what we're looking for now is God's, what are God's primary purposes that he has for his church, for his bride? <clears throat> Verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if Ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, 
how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words. So what is the mystery? We're, we're, we're looking for a mystery here. Verse 4. Whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So Paul's building up to, he's going to unfold the mystery here in just a little bit. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it has, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And here it is. Verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So here's, here's a we he's talking about right here. That no matter your, 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 your background, your ethnic background or whatever, that we, we can all be <clears throat> part of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Verse 7. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least. <laughs> How low is that? Less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. You know that mystery he was talking about earlier? What is the, the fellowship, the, 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 uh, how does this all work out, this mystery of Jews, Gentiles, whoever it may be, that is, is invited to step out of a me into a we, <clears throat> which from the beginning of time, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God who created all things by Christ Jesus. Now, so you, here where the first part of these verses, he's talking about what you, what you get out of it. You get all of this. This is what you get. You get to be part of this mystery, part of this unsearchable riches of Christ. You get all of that. Your, your, your gold pile is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But here's what he gets out of it. Verse 10. To the intent. Now here's the whole reason for the whole thing. Here's the reason. To the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And it, you want to know what God's purpose is? Right here it is in verse 11. According to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, you, some of you have a different translation, and it's, it reads a little bit different. But I just looked at that verse like, man, that's a purpose statement right there. <laughs> According to the eternal purpose that he had. His eternal purpose was, I mean, can you imagine what God wants to, he wants to show to the principalities and powers. Now, I wonder what all those powers might be. Like in Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6, it says, you know, principalities and powers and, and spirits and wicked places. And so it's talking about evil. It uses the same terms in a negative sense. <clears throat> so it could be that. It could be that to the evil angels and spirits and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Same word, high places, is, is, uh, that's in Ephesians 6, is right here in Ephesians 3. Heavenly places, same Greek word. That by the church, here you guys are. Man, you're different. <laughs> you guys are really different. You guys have some, some diverse backgrounds. You're, you're some very diverse thinking and uh, personalities and a lot of different things. And he's going to take you and he's going to stick you together with the super glue of the Holy Spirit and he's going to show, look, 
you know, to the to the principalities and powers. Look at what look at what comes out when when the when the water that, that they drank of me is flowing out. Look what happens. Look at these people. I mean, without me living within them, look how they would bang heads and 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 not be able to work things out. This was his eternal purpose. And so you know what? You know what I see here? The first purpose that I see for the church is, well, let's drop down to verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church. That's his number one purpose. You know what? It's not what you get out of it. Sorry. It's what he gets out of it. Unto him be glory in the church. It's the number one purpose right there. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And the NIV says there, throughout all generations. So that would include this generation. God is looking at you. How are you going to work these things out? How are you going to go forward? And regardless if the present situation would, would have ever happened, he still would ask you the same question. How are you going to go forward? How are you going to, to, to act and react and interact in a way that there will be just this constant flow of glory, this, this flow, the northern lights, if you will, because of your commitment to the purposes of God in your church. You know what bothers me? Sometimes we're more concerned about what color shoes we're wearing. We're, 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 you know, it's okay to discuss that maybe. There's a place to discuss those things. But we, we lose more sleep over that and we get more burdened over that. And these other purposes... We're not losing any sleep over, over it. And I wonder what God is thinking. It's like, man, I'm not getting much glory out of that. Can God look down and say to those spirits, whether they be good, the good angels or the, or, the, or, the, or the wicked ones, and say, here are human beings, they're capable of worldliness, they're capable of ill will, but look what they're doing. They're shunning the world. They're laying down their lives for their brethren. They're ministering to the poor. They look not at the things that are seen, but rather at the things that are unseen. Wow. Have you considered my servant Bethel? Is that what he says? You know what? Guess what? Our church's name is Bethel too. So I'm just putting myself right in there with you. You know, I feel responsible as a pastor you're responsible for that. And yet, as a pastor, I, would, I, wanna, I want you to, to feel responsible too. I want we to feel responsible for this whole thing. I heard my dad say one time, uh, he gave an illustration about some man that had a wayward son. Probably a lot of you even heard him say this. I don't know. Some man had a wayward son and he got advice from another father who said, if that were my son, I'd kick him out. And the dad said, 
Well, if he was your son, I'd kick him out too. But he's not your son. He's my son. You know what? That father felt responsible. You know, the situation looks so different when you own the responsibility of the outcome. Is that true? It looks totally different because this is one thing I have learned as a pastor. You know, we always feel responsible. (laughs) You know what I'm thinking about? I'll tell you a little secret what I'm thinking about in our church. You know there in Ephesians, no, not in Ephesians, in Acts, when, when Peter preached that powerful sermon and the people were convicted, you remember that? They were convicted. And you know what they said next? They said to the, you know, see, see we as preachers, we sit around in our, in our little rooms and we say, man, this and this is going on. What can we do? What should we do? And I noticed there in Acts, the people said, men and brethren, they said it to the preachers. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? So I, 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 just, I think about that a lot. How can we, as pastors, or somehow that we can just, you know, I'd like to take that question. I want to share that question with you. Okay, Gabriel? I'm going to give that question to you too. And I want you to think, what can we do? So that I'm not the only one, and we're not the only ones that are saying that. Because, see, when you're saying, what can we do? It's like, you know what? This ship is going to sink unless we figure this out. The, the, the option of abandoning the ship is not on the table. It's, man, what can we do? We, we might end up having to abandon ship. Maybe we will. But it'll be like, you know, the, the man that, when he came and looked for fruit on the tree and he didn't find any, and the, and the owner said, they cut it down. And, and, and Jesus came along and said, wait a minute. <laughs> Let me dig it and done it. Give me one more year. And then, if it really comes to that, then then you can cut it down. But the idea was, first, what can we do? What can we do? I just think, you know, somehow, if we could all carry that question, we we would figure it out. Does that make sense? All right. Now, I want to read a few verses out of Ephesians 4. I feel bad about jumping around a little bit, but I'm going to read a few verses out of Ephesians 4 also. Again, focused on the we. The beginning of the chapter there in Ephesians 4. Uh, if we would just go right on reading from where we left off, I therefore, the prison of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. You know, the, the calling you have, it is so high, it is so high. You need to walk worthy of that calling. And I just, I love the first part of Ephesians. It describes the calling. It spends three whole chapters describing what our calling is. And then he says, now, now just live up to that in chapter four. But then God's purposes, we drop down to verse uh, 11. And he gave, he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men 
cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love. That's, this is, here's the recipe for relationships in church. Speaking the truth in love. I love this verse, Ephesians 4.15. May grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so God's purposes, who are the facilitators of that purpose? And it speaks of those that lead, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So it could be that your pastors, it could also be those that are, that are teaching and doing other, work, other works. So they are to facilitate, certainly. And you know, we as, as leaders, we will give two accounts. Is it in Hebrews? Where is that? Where that verse that talks about, obey them that have the rule over you, for they, they watch for your soul as they that give an account. So what does that mean? It means they will give an account for how they shepherded you. They're going to give an account for their own soul. And then next, we're going to give an account for how we have shepherded. So there's a reason why Scripture says, uh, brethren, don't, don't many of you wish to be the teachers because you will be judged more strictly. I have learned that. <laughs> that as pastors, you know, our mistakes are more obvious. You know, we need to be criticized. We need to, a spanking now and again. We need that. And it seems like the pruning comes maybe a little more quickly because our, our, mist- our goofs are more obvious. Do you know what? We can tend to react to that and just not want to be pruned. I think what we should say is, you know, oh Lord, just prune me. Don't to hold still. Go ahead. Cut away. Cut away that flesh. That's making me not the pastor that I could be or should be. And so we are called, if we're going to facilitate the purpose of God, how are we going to do that? We do it with service like Jesus did. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. That's how he led. That's how he shepherded. How can I serve? We are called to hear from the Lord and, 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 and have a vision for that famous verse you've heard quoted many times, where there is no vision, the people perish. <clears throat> and then we also need to facilitate how can, how, can we help, how can we help be a part of all of us owning that vision, not that this is my little vision, and why don't you just get on board with my vision? <laughs> that doesn't work too good. And when it becomes our vision, then that's a little... A little better. So it talks about that in these verses, verse 11. But then it also says, and that which every joint supplieth. That's talking about everyone. So none of you are exempt. All of you are responsible. I just say this for what it's worth. I would just encourage you to bless your pastors. Give them your encouragement. Because sometimes we don't do everything right. Sometimes we say things wrong. Sometimes we, we mess up. You know, I was reminded of, you know, Ken Miller that's in prison. And I heard some people say, man, that guy did wrong. And he should have obeyed the law. He broke the law. He should be in prison. Well, there's different views, views of thought on, about that. Should he have or should he not have? Do you know what I think we should do? What we should do is we should say, you know what? Even if he messed up, 
He's my brother. I'm going to stand with him. I just want to encourage you to say that to your pastors. He's my brother. I'm going to stand with him. In those times when you disagree, they watch for your soul as those that must give an account. I'm taking a long time to get around to the point here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I just want to mention the mentality. I, I want to look at about five purposes then that will be, that will, I think, clear the road and, 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 and make a way for the glory flow to be more, have more volume, okay? Things that are important, as I see as important in Scripture. But as we work toward that, I like what it says in these verses about the mentality that we need to maintain as we work together, as we develop this. You see, it's not, it's not something that, you know, we had the, the, the Holy Ghost came down and man, everything was different from here on. He did all the work for us and it just, I don't think that's the normal anyway. It's more, we, we work at it, we develop it, and we, we, we stick together in the trenches to develop uh, a, a greater heights in the purposes of God. And so we have the mentality mentioned in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, my attitude. You know, when you speak the truth without love, you don't have to tell people, I said that unlovingly. You don't have to say that. You know what? They can smell it. (laughs) And then I just think whatever model we're following, there needs to be submission in our model. (laughs) And the reason I say that... Verse 15, the last part of the verse, may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. So all the, here I am, you're a finger, I'm a leg, all these different parts of the body, and up here is the head, and there's this little teeny-weeny neck, <laughs> and maybe that's the will of God. And so it all needs to funnel up through there. And so it's kind of like, like I see it at work. we got these big pieces of plywood, we put them out in the CNC router, perfectly good material, good stuff. You know what happens to that thing? <laughs> A bunch of circles get cut out of it, and curves get cut onto it, and all that stuff gets thrown in the trash. <laughs> and this little piece is left over, and it's actually useful for something. And I think that's the way it needs to, you know, if, we, if I never need to submit, it's going to be hard to work this thing out. There needs to be submission. As we funnel all these things up, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. <clears throat> all right. Five things that I see as important that will produce glory to God through the church. The first one I see is community. Um, If you look in Acts chapter 2 and what I read in Acts chapter 4, you know, the Holy Spirit, when, when the Holy Spirit was given, the first thing that he had birthed was not, hey man, go out and win souls and evangelize and stand in the corners and preach. It was not that. That was not the first thing. The first thing is that people sold their stuff so that they could be closely connected to their brothers. And the Holy Spirit came down and came in. And there was, a, there was a community, a fellowship that was pretty tight. And so I see that as very, very key and very important. How could we, what can we do to, to, to develop community? I may be sharing a little bit more some of my thoughts on that Sunday morning, um, <clears throat> Lord willing. 
Obviously, there's, there's commitment there. There's loyalty there. There's fellowship there. And what we read in chapter 4, verse 13, where it says, till we all come in the unity of the faith unto a perfect man, unto the measure, it's just talking about growth and maturity. Henceforth, no more children. A place where, where growth and maturity happens, where those of us that are part of the community, we, we bring this key ingredient to the table, which is I have a teachable spirit who can speak into my life. Community. How could we develop that? <clears throat> I see that as important. I see that as one of the primary purposes of God. That the community, and it's not just a social gathering, but it's the fellowship, it's, it's the communion we have in Christ Jesus in community, the we. Another thing that I see as important is that's emphasized in the New Testament, a primary purpose of God is ministry. And there's so many different ways that that can take place. So there's community, there's ministry. Verse 12 of chapter 4, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And I think it's the New King James that says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. So that is important. That's, that's an important, should be important uh, a burden of our church that how can we equip our people to to be effective ministers, I don't mean just preachers, but somehow that we are able to reach out effectively to others. Whether it's within the church, there's and, and there's plenty of opportunities within the church, and sometimes we just need a willingness to, to, to be available so that God can develop that in us. Teaching, singing, I mean, there's maintenance work to be done. There's ministry to be done. Equipping the saints, that should be very important in this church, in any church, to equip the saints for works of ministry. That's right here in Scripture. And then outside of the church as well. There's many, many, many opportunities outside the church. I would just say this. Don't just bring them into your church. Bring them into your house. The unfortunate the poor, the lonely, the unchurched. Jesus said, I was in hunger, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. Are you equipped to do that? The poor, those that are lonely, to visit the fatherless and the widows. Ministry inside and outside of the church. I think is very... So there's community and there's ministry. These things are, are primary in the eyes of God. It should be a part of our church. The third thing that I see is purity. Purity. And uh, you don't have to turn to it, but over in, in 1 Corinthians 5, where it talks about the man that was living in adultery or living in sexual sin. I forget all the, the terms that it uses there. And And what I see there is the concern that Paul was writing about was not... There, there are scriptures that speak of the redemption of the sinner and the lost and the wayward and the backward. There is scripture that speaks to that. But Paul's primary concern in 1 Corinthians 5 is the purity of the church. And from that vantage point, he speaks. And he says, But now I write you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or slander, a drunkard or swindler, with such a man do not even eat. And he goes on to say at the end of the chapter, you need to put that man out of the church. 
So I do believe that God is, is primarily concerned about the purity of the bride. That is primary to him. So it needs to be primary to us. <clears throat> Community, ministry, purity. Two more. <clears throat> and then I want to close. The fourth one is, I just put the term reproduction. And that is, what I mean by that is the, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 where it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And that word teach simply means make disciples of all nations. And to make a disciple is, is not just leading somebody in the sinner's prayer and, and getting them to make a commitment. It is you having the wisdom. You, you need to be one step ahead of them. Can you do that? You know, sometimes we struggle so much just being a disciple myself. Well, it's a good thing nobody's tagging along behind me because I'm not sure I'd know how to say, you know what, brother, you need to do next. You need to do this next. You see? So... And Paul agreed with that, where he said in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. You will be equipped in such a way that you know how. And you know what? If you're a dad, you get to practice on your children. Right? You know, some of us, we say, man, you know, I'm... I'm just not, I'm just not a leader type. I'm just, I'm, I'm Barnabas. You be Paul, I'll be Barnabas. You know, if you're a dad, if you're a parent, you have to do it. And you know what? I think we can, with the aid of the Holy Spirit, we can develop these things that we're not naturally gifted at. And God can help us to be able, you know, if we come to the end and not able to say, you know, I've been a Christian for 50 years, but I still don't know how to help somebody else. Be discipled in Christ Jesus. That's not good. Because this is primary to God. This is, this is, this, this is how the, the church will reproduce. We have to be so infected with Christ and so busy and coming to know Christ ourselves that we know what to say to those that are coming along behind, to those that we've reached out to. We know how, you know, if somebody gets saved, how are you going to know how to help them next? You're going to just send him off to you, the, the preacher. No, you need to, you know, you need to do it. Reproduction is primary to God. Skill yourself to be able to lead others in a fruitful, obedient walk with Jesus. And this skill, I believe, can be developed. Some are more gifted than others. That's true. Amen. I'm so glad for that. So there's community, there's ministry, there's purity, there's reproduction. The last one I have is maintenance. Maintenance. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 21 says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. I just think maintenance has gotten a bad rap these days. And I tend to think of, when I think of maintenance, I tend to think of the guy in Matthew 25. He had one talent and he took and he maintained it really well. He kept it hidden in the ground and he got scolded for it. He got punished for because all he did was maintenance and he didn't do any outreach. But what would have happened to those others, the, you know, the, the guy that had five talents? What if he would have come to his master at the end and said, Lord, you know what? Sorry about this, but I lost those five that you gave me. But don't worry about it. I got five others here. Or how would you feel, Brother Paul, if you stood before the Lord and you said, you know, I really blew it with my children. And they're all five of them around the world. 
They're all living for the devil. But you know what? I got these other five here. You know, you yourself wouldn't feel good about that. And you know, our children do make choices on their own that they are responsible for. I understand all that. But I'm saying, you know what? The maintenance is important. It's very necessary. I think God cares about that. Hold that which is good. Hold fast that which is good. Maintain the five and get five more too. So now I want to ask you, community, ministry, purity, reproduction, and maintenance, which one of those is the most important? And I think the answer is, we can't afford to neglect any of them. They're all important. And I, I, that's, that's where the beauty of diversity comes in, and the different gifts and the, different, the way we view things and everything, where we can help balance each other out so that we are, you know what? How are we going to address purity? <laughs> How are we going to address maintenance, you know, reproduction? All these things. These things are primary to God. And we would do well <laughs> to figure out how <clears throat> we can be more effective in those things. And I believe as we do that, as God sees us putting our greatest energy into the things that are of highest importance to Him, we just get more of the release of the Spirit upon our efforts and we're glue. The glue gets better. It gets tighter. I'll close with this parable. I wrote this little parable. There once was a little boy who loved to watch his older brothers and their friends playing softball. Game after game, he begged them to let him play, and they always said no. Finally, they gave in and told the little boy, Okay, Johnny, you can stand over here by the third base, outside the third base foul line, and whenever a foul ball comes, you can catch the ball. And you can throw it back to the pitcher. Johnny was thrilled. He stood outside the foul line, and sure enough, he got four or five balls during the course of the game. But there was one thing Johnny never realized. At the end of the day, Johnny's input had made absolutely no difference as to who actually won the game. His contribution had been totally irrelevant. And that's what I've said before. One of my greatest burdens is I almost fear more being irrelevant than us being wild and wicked and living out in the world. I just don't want to be... That's, that's how I feel about the church. I don't want us to come to the end and discover we were putting the exclamation point at the wrong place in the sentence. What I long to hear instead would be, well done, good and faithful servant. You had a burden for my purposes and you acted on them. When others sought comfort, you were willing to sacrifice. When others sought security, you were willing to take a risk. When others passed by on the other side, you took ownership. You got down and got involved and got your hands dirty. You cared and took up my burdens for the things that I cared about. Well done. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. May God help us to align our practice with his purpose.